Morning. My name is Dave. Hello. I am the lead pastor here at Connect, and it's great to see all of you here this morning. Um, you know, we're still in January, so I know February's just around the corner, but we're early enough in the year to still maybe remember some of those New Year's resolutions that we made. Uh, but we're probably far enough in the year that, let's be honest, most of us, those resolutions have gone out the window by now. But, um, but maybe... Just maybe uh, alongside your physical resolutions or your spiritual resolutions, maybe some of you had some financial resolutions for 2017. Maybe you made a decision. You know, this is the year we're going to pay off that loan. This is the year we're going to try and cut up that credit card. This is the year that I'm going to start putting some money away for savings. You know, this is the year I want to save up for this particular project we've got in mind. And, and maybe you set some goals there, some financial goals. So we thought um, here at Connect, we would kick off 2017 uh, with a short series. You're, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, this is the last in that three-week series of a series called Spent. Because we happen to believe that God loves you. That wherever you find yourself this morning, you might be a follower of Jesus, you may have grown up in church, followed him all your life, this may all be brand new to you. You may be here this morning just kind of checking this out, maybe someone um, dragged you along here this morning. I don't know why you're here, but I do know this, that God loves each and every one of you. Wherever you find yourselves, God loves each and every one of you. And when it comes to um, the areas of your life, maybe it's health, career, um, for some it could be finances, he doesn't want you to feel spent. Spent is a word that just kind of gives you this picture of just feeling exhausted, drained, just it's all been taken out of you. So we thought, let's teach on finances. Let's talk about it, because actually Jesus had a lot to say on this subject. If you look through the Bible, there's a lot of teaching on this particular topic And I, as a pastor, I don't believe that God intended this area of our life to be a drain or to be a struggle or to leave us feeling spent. I think he wants us to feel some freedom in this area of our lives. And because of that, I think he's he's even called some of us to be generous. Don't you love those stories that you read from time to time just of, of generosity? You know, sometimes you'll hear of somebody who passed away and they lived a real kind of meager life, but it turns out they were actually incredibly wealthy and they left all their money to the library or all their money to the dog home, whatever it was. You know, it's just this great story. I I came across this one last year. It was a couple of Christmases ago. and it was a, uh, a couple in Minnesota, and uh, they decided one Christmas that as they were going uh, into a store and they were passing one of the Salvation Army kettles, um, that's right, they're kettles, there's no tea in the word kettle, it's just a kettle, but as they went past the kettle there, they decided to, to make a little donation, so they, instead of putting some coins or some cash in, they put a check in. Now, this particular day, the, uh, the fire department were manning the kettles, and uh, I really hope That at the beginning of the week, the fire department, they called up the police department or they called up another group of their buddies and said, hey, let's have a little side bet here. Whoever raises the most money this week has to buy lunch for the others. Whoever whoever gets the most in their kettles, they're the winners. Um, Because normally you'd get about $30 in a kettle for each session. Well, this particular week they were counting after that night's uh, donations. There was a couple of quarters here and some change, uh, an odd bill here. And then there was a check. And when they opened the check, it was for $500,000. Yes! That couple had put a check in for $500,000. Now, when your average is about $30 each time, this could throw the average off just a little bit. And I hope they had like a little wager on the side and they were calling up their buddies in the police department going, hey, you best order some pizza because guess what? We've definitely got you beat. 
So I read this news story about this couple, and it was a fascinating story because the Salvation Army, obviously, um, the very first thing they did was they traced down, uh, tracked down the owners of this check because they're like, before we bank this check, we better make sure this is for real because anyone can write anything on a piece of paper and drop it in. But they called this couple and they said, yeah, yeah, that check, if you bank it, it will clear. And it was intentional, and we did mean to put all those zeros. <laughs> that wasn't $5 with the decimal in the wrong spot. We, that was our intention. They said the truth is that the Salvation Army is very dear to our hearts. They said that one of their grandfathers had actually fought in the First World War. And in the First World War in Europe, there was a group from the Salvation Army. They were called the Donut Lassies. And there were these group of ladies who would be right there just off the side of the front lines. And they were, were just literally frying donuts and um, serving coffee to the troops. The troops would come back from the front line and exhausted and just, um, you know, disheartened and seen some terrible things. And there were these smiling faces with cups of hot coffee and donuts. They said, our grandfather told the stories of the hope and the light and the comfort that that brought him in the First World War. They said, we ourselves are no strangers to poverty. They explained that they themselves as a young couple when they first got married had relied on discarded food from a local uh, grocery store. And they realized as a young couple that now they could afford, sorry, as an older couple, now they could afford to help others. This was a quote from the story. It was this couple. They said, you get to a point in life where it's time to take care of others the way you were taken care of. That was their motivation to be generous. That was their motivation to give back. They had experienced charity in their own lives. They'd experienced what it felt like to be taken care of. And now that they were in a position of having the resources, so they wanted to pay it forward and take care of others. And what I love about that story is not only just an amazing story of an amazing gift, because you know those firemen had to be telling that story for weeks and months to come about. That one day we got that one check. And that Salvation Army talking about the, the check. But the other thing I love about the story is we get to hear the story behind the story. We get to hear what motivated that couple to give. Because I often wonder, what is it that motivates people to be generous? You see, I don't know if you realize this, but it's not something that maybe is is inherently natural to every one of us. It's a choice that we have to make. I have a friend, and he's in the financial world, and he does some financial planning. He meets with people and looks at their taxes and looks at their savings accounts and their investments and their portfolios and just gives them some counsel and some direction. And he said, Dave, you'd be amazed how many people I sit down with who have got more money than you and I will ever see in our lifetimes. And I'll look at their donations for the previous year, and he said, it's, it's nothing. I mean, it was like a few bags of clothes to Goodwill, and that was about it. He said, and then I'll meet some families or some individuals that really don't have much, but will look and their donations, their, their generosity was huge. So why is it that some of us choose to be generous and, and some don't? What is it that motivates those of us that are generous, those of us that um, have generosity in our lives? What is it that causes that? That's what I want to look at this morning as we finish off this series called Spent. Because I happen to believe that there are many of you here this morning that are incredibly generous. In fact, we see that here at Connect Church. We see that on a regular basis. On a Sunday morning, the baskets go by and and many of you are very generous and and you give in that offering. And I just want to assure every one of you here this morning that there are other ways you can give. You can give online. You can give through the app. And I'm telling you that because I know there are some of you that is really tricky during the offering because you give online And that basket gets to you, and you kind of hold it, and you're like, 
passing it on by, and everything in you wants to just stand up and say, I gave online. It's okay. <laughs> I've already given online. That's the <laughs> we could get some t-shirts maybe that just say, I gave online for those of you. So you could just stand up as the basket passes you by and go, it's okay, I gave online. But the truth is that many of you are very generous, whether it's a Sunday morning or, or through online giving. You give on a regular basis to Connect Church. So I want us to look through that lens this morning, if I could, and just maybe examine some of the motivations. I was thinking about this, and as I was preparing this message this week, I was thinking, what is it that would encourage someone, that would cause somebody who on a regular basis attends Connect Church and feels, you know, I want to give some money to that church. I want to support that church in some way. What's the motivation behind that gift? And I came up with four possible ideas, four um, situations that maybe you'll find yourself in one of these four areas and say, yeah, I think that's probably why I give at Connect. So we're going to look at those four things because I th think it'll help us think through this whole idea of generosity and why we give um, and how we give. So the first way I think that some people give is through what I call self-interest. Self-interest. So maybe this morning, for some of you, this is, this is your motivation in giving. This would be kind of the base level motivation for giving to a church or to God's work. And here's what I mean by self-interest. So here in town, uh, there's a, uh, a health club called Five Points, uh, just around the corner from here. And uh, some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may be members there. Some of you may be members and you pay uh, quite a lot of money each month, depending on the size of your family, to be a member of Five Points. Now, I discovered a few years ago, I, I joined Five Points, uh, was paying a lot of money and was not noticing any difference. Didn't seem to be losing weight, didn't feel any healthier. And I discovered, you know, it's actually, you have to go as well. Because <laughs> I was paying every month and it was doing nothing. But apparently you have to show up and use the machines and do some running or some swimming or wherever it may be. And some of you, you're members of Five Points, you pay your dues, and you are taking advantage of everything that Five Points has to offer. So you're very healthy, you're, you're spinning and you're running and you're swimming and you're lifting and whatever else, whatever classes you're doing there that, that torture you but somehow leave you feeling better afterwards than you did when you arrived. And you don't mind paying that membership because you see the results of it. You feel healthier, you feel more in shape. So that's why you're at five points and that's why you pay those dues and that's self-interest. I don't mind paying this because I'm getting something from it. I actually think that some, maybe when they give here at Connect on a Sunday morning, it's almost like this self-interest that motivates you. I like this place. I like what they do with my kids out there. They, they enjoy it, and they come home with these great pieces of paper, and they're, they're telling me about what they've learned in church, and, and I like that. I like seeing my kids grow to learn how much God loves them and, and uh, the plan he has for their lives. I enjoy coming in here on a Sunday. I like the music, I like listening to the, the way that guy speaks, it sounds weird, but uh, I like listening to it, and um, you know, so, so it's almost like it's kind of a membership, it's like I'm, I'm paying my dues. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but I do want to assure you that there is no expectation from us for that. And I say that because you're going to be amazed by this, but there are some churches that actually do have that expectation. They actually do have a, hey, if you're going to come here on a regular basis, then you better cough up. You think I'm kidding? There was a story in the news a couple of years ago, and I remember reading it, and I came across again as I was preparing for this message. It was a, a church who sent a letter out to one of their members. She'd been going for about six months. She'd found this new church. She was kind of enjoying it. But after six months of attending, she gets this letter in the mail from her church. Basically, it says that she's behind on her dues. This is a line from the letter. You are currently delinquent in your financial support. Seriously, I can promise you, you will never get that letter from us. 
This letter like listed out, you've got this many children, so you should have been paying this much, and you, you came this many times, so really you should have. And she was $1,000 behind on her giving, is what they were telling this single mom. Shocking. Now, we will never send a letter like that. We don't expect any kind of dues or membership. We love that you come to Connect. But some of you, that's your motivation to give. It's that kind of idea of, well, I like it. I, I want to give. And I feel like that's kind of a, um, maybe the starter level for many of us here today. You know, that's, that's why I chose to start giving at, at Connect, this idea of that kind of self-interest thinking. Now, that's great, and it's not actually, um, you know, it's, it's not really a biblical um, thought behind that of why to give, but it's a great way to start um, giving. But there's another way, and this, this way you can find in the Bible, and that's the second one I want to talk about this morning, the second motivation, and that is a grateful heart. A grateful heart. For some, it's self-interest. For some, it's like, okay, I feel like uh, my dues, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm paying for what I'm getting here. But for some, it's more of a grateful heart. Listen to what the Bible has to say about this. In Psalm 116, verse 12, the psalmist says, How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? You know, the biblical starting point for many of us here this morning for giving has always been in response to God's irrational generosity to us. We recognize that God has given so much and out of our grateful heart, we want to be generous back, whether that's to the church or other organizations. But the motivation behind our generosity is recognizing what God himself has done for us and it spurs us to want to give. There's another great way of explaining it in this story I came across this week. Um, it's actually amazing because the story I'm about to tell um, comes on the back of Friday being National um, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. So on Friday across Europe and across the world, um, it was a day to mark the memory of what took place during World War II and the millions of Jews that suffered um, and lost their lives through the Holocaust. And this story I came across that, that kind of captures the whole thought of what a, a grateful heart will motivate someone to do came out of one of those situations. It's about a Franciscan priest whose name was Maximilian Kolbe. Maximilian Kolbe found himself in Nazi Germany in April of 1941 and was imprisoned in Auschwitz, probably one of the most notorious of all prisoner camps in the Second World War. But this Franciscan priest, he began to get a name for himself in this concentration camp because of his, his compassion and his love for his fellow prisoners. Many times he would go without food himself to, to pass on his rations to another prisoner who was starving or sick. Oftentimes he would give up his bed or his bunk for another prisoner who didn't have one. And time and time again you'd hear stories of this priest and his, his um, sacrificial love for those in there with him. You know, in June of 1941, um, an escape took place. A, a prisoner managed to escape from Auschwitz and get away. And these happened very rarely. And the reason they happened so rarely was because it was very difficult to escape from this camp. But on top of that, anytime someone did escape, the punishment was that 10 other prisoners would lose their lives. For every one prisoner that escapes, they would kill 10 prisoners as a lesson to those thinking of escaping. So on this occasion in June of 1941, this prisoner escaped and the commander brought all the prisoners into a courtyard and he went through a list and one by one he read off 10 names. 
When he got to the 10th name, it was a Polish man by the name of Gozabnicek, and he read his name. Gozabnicek happened to be standing pretty close to, to Maximilian Kolbe at the time, and when he heard his name, he dropped to his knees and broke into tears. He's cried out to the commander for mercy. He says, I have a wife and I have children. Please do not take me. But the commander wouldn't resent. As he pleaded to the commander, Colby stepped forward and he said, Sir, would you take me instead of him? I have no wife. I have no children. Take me instead of him. And in a moment of mercy, the commander said, Okay, we'll take you and you can live. Gozabnicek got to go back and um, Colby was sent with the other nine prisoners to a pit where they would starve them to death. And yet in that pit, it's told that he sang hymns and he prayed with the other prisoners. And as one by one they died of starvation, after two weeks he was still alive. In fact, the soldiers had to kill him in the end. But you know, what happened that day changed the life of that Polish man, Gozabnicek, for the rest of his life. Following the war, he was released from Auschwitz, and he lived to the age of 93 years old. But you know, every year after the war, he would return to Auschwitz. Because the very first year that he returned, he built a monument there with his own hands. And he built this monument that he would visit every year. And on this monument, he had these words inscribed. Very simply, it just said, Maximilian Kolbe, he died so that I may live. He died so that I may live. Every single year, right up until his very last year of life at 93 years old, this Polish gentleman would return because a grateful heart drove him to do so. He would forever live in gratitude for this priest giving up his life in his place. You know, I don't know where you are this morning in your spiritual journey, but that is a very clear example of what Jesus did for us. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place. And he's... In return, that grateful heart is just to respond and say, God, I want a relationship with you. That's why Jesus died, so that we could have that relationship with him. And maybe you're feeling spent this morning. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life right now and you just feel spent. God loves you so much. He wants you to experience that relationship. He wants you to experience his love this morning. But for those of us who who have that relationship with Jesus... And who understand that this image of what um, Colby did for that man is exactly what Jesus did for us. We have that same grateful heart. It is out of that grateful heart that we want to give back to a God who gave so much to us. So many here at Connect who give on a regular basis and who give financially on a regular basis do so with a grateful heart. It's out of gratitude, saying, thank you, God, you did so much for me. And it's not only because we want to show our gratitude in giving back to God, For many of us, it's because we know that when we give, when we give here on a Sunday morning to connect, that we as a church are able to use those funds to help to continue to spread that same message to others. So people here in Washington, people across the United States, people across the world, through your gifts, you're, you're helping to spread that same message that you are so grateful for and that others may not yet have heard. So many give out of a grateful heart 
And out of a grateful heart, wanting that message to continue to be spread. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's the, the motivation for your giving. It's the grateful heart that you have, understanding how much God loves you and how much he did for you. As I was thinking about this and praying about it and just kind of thinking, what is it that motivates people to give? I think another real simple reason that many uh, who attend Connect, many followers of Jesus, the reason they give is just simply in obedience to God. In obedience to God. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 5, 3. It says, this is love for God to obey his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. So, so many of us as followers of Jesus, we, we, we look through the scriptures, we look through the Bible, we say, God, we want to be obedient to you. So, so how have you taught us to give? What have you taught here through the Bible when it comes to giving? For a lot of us, we've kind of landed on this idea of what the Bible teaches, and it, it starts out in the Old Testament, but it follows all the way through the New Testament of this principle called tithing. Now, I know some of you may never have heard of that. Some of you have heard of it, and it's like, I'm not sure about that. And then others of you here this morning have not only heard of it, that's a principle that you strive to follow. Let me uh, introduce kind of where it comes here in uh, uh, the Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Malachi. He said this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He said, bring the whole tithe, and the word tithe is literally just 10%. So bring 10% into the storehouse so that there may be enough provisions in my temple. So for many here at Connect, they've made that decision to say, that's, that's the mark I'm going to use. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim to try and give 10% of my income because I feel like that's what God is asking me to do. That's, that's the obedience to God that he's looking for. And that's a stretch for some, and I don't want to be a, a hang-up for you this morning because you think, well, I can't do that, so I won't do anything. You know, for some, it's kind of a, a gradual build-up, but, but for many, that's what they, uh, they believe God is, is challenging them to do. And I want to show you this morning, especially for those of you who give to Connect, that, that we don't just believe that here at Connect, we practice that. So here at Connect, we actually do what we call a tithe on the tithe, so that all the money we receive in our offerings, before we spend a penny of it, we give 10% away. So 10% of everything we get in our offerings, we've set aside and we use that money to help plant churches across the country and across the world because we believe that new churches reach new people. So none of that goes into Connect's account. That all goes to planting other churches around the world. And in fact, to, to kind of speak more into that of what we do, I've asked Justin, who's part of our leadership team. Justin, you'll recognize, he, he leads worship up here many weeks. But um, as part of our leadership team, Justin works in Caterpillar in the financial uh, department at Caterpillar in their accountancy department. So he helps us a lot with our budgeting and, and all that kind of thing. So I've asked him to take a few minutes here in our service this morning. And uh, for those of you who are Caterpillar employees or just love graphs and charts, you're going to love this because uh, I've asked if he could just kind of unpack a little bit for you guys this morning. How do, how do our finances work here at Connect? What do we do with it? Do we have a plan? Do we just kind of throw it up in the air and see what happens? Well, fortunately, thanks to wise people like this guy right here, we do have a plan. He's going to tell you that plan right now. <laughs> okay, wow. So these are fun charts for me, and I know I'm a little uh, weird on that way, but um, I want to show you some things and just some really cool information and some what's happening at Connect and, and just how continue, God continues to bless through you and just uh, how we can turn around and bless the community. So 
We started Connect back in the 2012-2013 timeframe, and we worked with an organization called Stadia, and they provided us some um, cash as well as then some fundraising that we all did to kind of start with our cash balance, and that was around 60 to 70,000. But this is kind of what's happened now over the year as and towards the end of 2016 here, and that you can see that in 2013, our cash was about, uh, in our savings, was about 73000 And year over year, it's continued to grow. And we're excited to say that by the end of 2016, that our cash balance, our savings, has grown to over $100,000, $125,000. So that's pretty awesome. So you say, well, what, what's going on there? Well, a couple things. Well, the reason why we have that cash is, one, we like to keep about two to three months' worth of operating expenses saved aside just in case of uh, could, different circumstances could come up. So we want to be wise and we want to have a good cash balance. The other thing is that we, our desire and our prayer and our vision is that we want to use that cash someday to uh, get a permanent place. And so there's two purposes for that money. And I just wanted to clarify that with you and let you know. But that's what we have right now in savings. And that is worthy of a clap because it's yeah. pretty cool. Pretty cool for a young church. So. so that's one thing I wanted to share. The next, and I know this is a little bit of an eye chart. And these are my fun charts that I get to make all day at work. But um, the left-hand column there is 2016 actual. So this is what happened. So this is kind of what happened to the Connect checkbook. On the right there is our budget that we had for 2016. So you can see that we started the year of 2016 with about $97,000 in the bank. Now, our giving, so kind of our normal giving and tithing, not this excludes uh, to Ecuador or excludes to a Connect Center, kind of our normal giving of tithing is that on the right there, we budgeted about $350,000 to come in for the full year. And this is the cool thing. Over $400,000 came in through you all and others just continuing to bless Connect. So that's pretty awesome. $50,000 higher in our giving to our budget. So that was super exciting. Then where did it go? All right, so you can see there on the actual column, the administrative, that is our salaries and our payroll taxes and some training that we have for our, our staff, Dave, Alicia, Sandra, Justin, Laura, we spend that money in a sense to pay and, and provide pay for payroll taxes and different things. So that was about two hundred thousand. And then Dave mentioned on the operations and community outreach, right from the get go, we take ten percent of the top. So about see, we brought in four hundred thousand. So about forty thousand went to church planning activities, and then another five to ten thousand went to community. Community uh, Threads, Hope, and Love, for example. So once again, more than 10%, we want to turn around and give right back onto the community. And then there were some other costs related to accounting and just some different things to run the, run the offices. All right? So that was 100000 Children and youth, that's for our curriculum programs and our different supplies. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we've just got a lot of different things that we set up in those rooms, and that all costs money. And we do the same thing with the youth on Sunday night. We spend about 27000 on that. And then facilities and equipment to rent this building every month. Uh, we had to purchase some new lighting. We had to purchase some new sound equipment. So that was about 50000 but we brought in more than we spent this year in 2016, which made our cash balance go up, our savings go up to 125000 And that's super exciting. And we just wanted to share that with you. So, all right. Yeah, that's a clap. That's a clap. You having fun with all these numbers? This is really fun to me. So, but here's what I also wanted to show. 
and I like to kind of look and see how trends and everything, but first half of the year of 2016 to second half, we really saw our giving increase. And it increased uh, from the first half of the year to the second half of the year, increased almost 15% to that 400,000. And the coolest thing is that in December, we had a record in the sense of giving. And this is outside of the Connect Community Center. And this just blew us away when the books all kind of closed a couple weeks ago that we had over $50,000 in December that you all and that God blessed and people gave to connect. So anyways, that's, I think that's deserving of a clap too, yeah. if you don't mind. That's pretty, we were like, whoa, <laughs> God is awesome. So that, that one we wanted to share with you. And then just a couple more here. Okay, so moving forward, what's going on for 2017? So we've budgeted and we've talked through it and, and really, okay, how is God going to, uh, how are we going to continue to be wise stewards of this and grow, connect with the funds? And I uh, just wanted to share that we really, based upon how the giving has come in as of recently, we see that our, our giving we're going to budget for to be on the right-hand side there. You can see that we're going to start with our 125000 we see that our giving, we're, we're kind of forecasting or estimating that it'll be a higher and that it'll go up a little bit based on some of our trends of about 434000 And then you can see our expenses has, have gone up. Gone up a little bit, but why? Two things. Well, one, we're going to uh, continue to pray through and we're looking for a full-time connections pastor. So our administrative costs are going to go up a little bit. So that's one thing that we've got in the budget. And then the other thing there, if you go down to the bottom, facilities and equipment, we are going to have to have more operating expenses related to the Connect Center. We have, a, we have a rent on that. We're going to have utility bills. So some of those expenses are going to go up. At the end of the day for 17, our goal is, is that we want to be able to uh, see our income and our expenses kind of be equal in 2017 and maintain that cash balance. And then we continue to pray that hopefully the giving will be more than the expense, but we have a balanced budget, and we wanted to communicate that to everybody. So not for a cliche, but God is good. God yeah. is good. He's blessed us. He's blessed you. And we are doing some exciting things in this community. And uh, it's, it's just neat. And, and that's why we're talking about this is because God continues to work. So thanks a lot. Brilliant. Thank you, Justin. You know, for some of you, maybe you do this for a living, maybe you're a numbers person, you were kind of leaning forward there, elbows on your knees, you're like tracking every line, you're like, this is fascinating. Others of you are like, I'm just glad there's a plan. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm glad there's someone up there who does know. And seriously, it's good to know because I love doing what I do. I love preaching on Sundays, but you need to thank God that he's put some really smart people around me who are able to, who love this kind of thing, you know, and say, hey, let's be wise with what's given us. Let's really stretch every dollar. Let's see that God can use this to impact lives everywhere. And because of our commitments to tithe on the tithe, we're able to be a part of something much bigger than just Connect Church in Washington, Illinois. So anytime you put a dollar in the offering, 10 cents of that dollar goes to projects like this. Check out this video. Hi, my name is Chris Brooks, and I serve as Stadia's Midwest Regional Executive. And I wanted to thank you for Connect's support of our mission, to plant churches that intentionally care for children. We wanted you to hear from one of the couples that you've helped to plant. Check this out. Hi, my name is Clint. And I am Michael Dupin. And we are excited to be here with you. Uh, we are getting ready to start a church in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, we just want to take this time to say thank you to Stadia. Thank you for their commitment to us. 
And also thank you as a church for your commitment to uh, Stadia. It's incredible. We know that it would not be possible for us to do what God is leading our family to do if it were not for you being willing to give and support Stadia as they come beside people that are being called to plant churches. It's been so cool to see churches that are kingdom-minded like this church that we're talking to right now, their commitment uh, to church planting because we believe uh, that God uses the church to reach people uh, that are far from Him. So we're excited about that. Our journey started about a year and a half, two years ago, where we felt like God was leading us to reach people that were far from Him. Little did we know that it was going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area. And maybe you didn't know about this, but the Bay Area is the most unchurched, de-churched population in the U.S. It also has the highest percentage of people that do not believe in God. And so this is what God has led us to, uh, to move our family here uh, with a team and to plant a church. So right now, our family, we have four children. Uh, Savannah is 22, Claire is 12, Henry's eight, and Charlie is four. And so we are living outside of Detroit right now in Birmingham, Michigan, but scheduled to leave um, and move to the Bay Area the first week of January. And then as we get to the Bay Area, we will continue to build a launch team, um, continue to learn more about the area, and then our plan is to launch services in September of 2017. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for your belief in us and thank you for your commitment to church planning. Uh, thank you for being open-handed and kingdom-minded. So from all of us at Stadia, thank you. So we want to use to see those, those charts, see where those of you who give, where your giving goes, the, uh, we are using it to do all that you see on a Sunday morning, but over and above that, we feel that God's positioned us to be able to help others and reach others. And 10%, like I said, our tithe to commit to follow the tithing principle goes to help churches like this that are starting up in the San Francisco Bay Area later on this year. They will be a connect church. They will be a brand new church that will reach new people in that area. And I've got to be honest, there are some mornings where I'm here unpacking the trailer and there's snow and ice and freezing cold. I'm like, wait, California was an option? I'm thinking, hang on a second. But I feel that God called us here to Washington. I love it. This is a great community to plant a church in. And I love that um, I've seen new people come to know God through Connect. And I love that now we're going to be a part in helping this family reach new people in San Francisco. And there were churches years ago that heard a message like this and gave in their offerings and helped us get started three years ago. So you are a part of something much bigger than just what you see on a Sunday morning. And for those of you who maybe you've um, stretched yourself and you've tried to commit to that, that principle of tithing, I love how that verse I just read earlier in Malachi finishes off. We just read the first half, but listen to how the verse finishes off. It says that when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be enough provisions in my temple, God replies and says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I've experienced this in my life. I believe as a church, Connect Church, as we've stuck with that principle to, to tithe on the tithe, to give away 10% of what, that we experience God's blessing even here in Connect. And for some of you, maybe that's a stretch, but this is a, um, a promise that God gives in the Bible. But I want to just wrap up with one more thought this morning, because we've talked about these three levels of self-interest, a grateful heart, obedience to God, and maybe you find yourselves in one of those three levels. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning, up till a couple of years ago, that's exactly where I found myself, in that kind of obedience to God section. 
I was very faithfully given, and we talked about this last week, actually, that for Casey and I, we were doing this 10, 10, 80 principle where we would give 10, we'd put 10 away for savings, and we'd live on the 80. So what was happening was I was learning to live on the 80, and we were doing just fine. And God kind of challenged me a little bit and said, you know, you've got used to this so much so that um, there's not really any sacrifice anymore. You just learned to live. You're obedient, but you're obedient to the letter of the law, to the very minimum. And God challenged me with this last idea that I'm going to call sacrificial giving. He challenged me and said, when was the last time you, you did more? When was the last time you stretched yourself? When was the last time that you had to trust me because that check you were writing or that gift you were giving, you weren't sure if you could afford it or not, but you were trusting me that I was leading you to do that. And it takes you into another level because it's exciting. You're like, God, I really want to follow these promptings. I'm not sure that I can do this, but I want to trust you with this area of my life. So now for us as a family, we'll, we'll have times where we'll feel prompted to, to help another family or to help an organization or, or to, to give more maybe, but, but to do something that's over and above that sacrificial giving. But wherever you find yourself, maybe you recognize, maybe you identify as one of those four areas this morning. Here's my prayer for you as we close out this series. Number one, that this doesn't become an area of your life where you feel spent. An area of your life which is out of control. That's why we're offering the David Ramsey class, you know, because we don't want this to be an area that causes conflict, strife in your relationship, fear, worry. God didn't intend for you to feel spent all the time. So my first prayer is that you won't feel spent. My second is that maybe for some you'd say, Dave, I don't feel spent. But I'm starting to realize that God really has blessed me. God really has blessed me and my family. And maybe I need to say, God, I don't think you were doing all this just for me. God, what do you want me to do? I think you've blessed me. And maybe there's a a way I can bless others. Maybe there's a way I can be a part of the bigger picture here of what you want to do. So as we close out this series, um, next Sunday we've got a a special one-off Sunday. It'll be a great opportunity to bring your friends. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so we're going to have a lot of football-themed fun. Your football, not my football. But uh, my football we'll get a mention every now and again, I'm sure, next Sunday. But wear your jersey, wear your team jersey uh, next Sunday for that football-themed Sunday. But as we close out this Spent series this morning, let's pray, because this is a big part of all of our lives, and God doesn't want it to leave us feeling spent. He wants us to feel free in this area. So Father, we want to thank you that you've blessed us so much. You know, we don't have to go too far in this world to realize that we are incredibly blessed where we are. Even if we feel like we may be struggling financially compared to different places around the world, we are incredibly blessed. So God, would you help us not to... um, through bad decisions or, you know, unwise choices, find ourselves living in a place of feeling spent financially. And would you help us, Lord, to see this as resources you've given us that we can use to impact others. This isn't just for us, Lord. This is uh, something you've given us that we can use to bless others. We can use this out of a grateful heart to reach others who may not know the price, the love that you have for them and the, the great price you paid for them. We want others to hear that message. So help us to be faithful to you with our resources. Uh, And as we kick off 2017, if this is a resolution for any of us here, Lord, I pray that they will follow through uh, to give this area of your life to you and to help really get control in this area of your life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.